Thanks for joining us on AutoLine this week, where our discussion is all going to be about the bankruptcy that Chrysler and General Motors went through, which I'll bet you think is all over and done with. Well, it's not, because some of the aggrieved parties in that bankruptcy process are hopping mad. In fact, they're outraged over what happened to them. And I'm talking about the car dealers. And joining us this morning are three car dealers who had and have Chrysler and General Motors dealerships, including Phil Painter from St. George, Utah, from the Painter Family Dealerships. Also, Jeff Duvall from Clayton, Georgia, with Duvall Automotive. And Tammy Darvish from Dar Cars Automotive in Maryland. In fact, we got to give a special shout out to Tammy because she's written a book called Outraged about this debacle that took place with dealers. And Tammy, what motivated you to write this book? Well, you know, um, professionally, I thought it was very important to make sure that the truth got out there. And we had so much um, documented facts that needed to be kind of corralled together so that America could really know what happened. This is, was like a big atrocity that sort of got hidden and swept under a carpet. And through this process of writing the book, we were able to introduce America to what really, really happened. Um, because I think every America, American should be totally alarmed by what happened. And what we know happened, of course, is that GM and Chrysler went through bankruptcy. The union had to give up things. The, the shareholders were wiped out, essentially. Bondholders took a haircut, as they called it. They lost about 75% of their holdings. But, Jeff, what is it that really upsets you as to what happened to the car dealers? Well, John, they have uh, tarnished uh, dealers' good names that have represented their manufacturers for years. Um, and it's not right. These were good, successful businesses. Uh, they had no financial problems. They were terminated for no reason, John. And, uh, Phil, you were one of those who were terminated, had, had your store taken away from you, and yet you said it was a well-run store going just fine. Yes, my, my father, it was actually his dealership, and it had a 65-year career with Chrysler, Jeep, and Dodge. And it was a well-run family business. Yes, it was taken away from us. So in talking with you all and, and knowing a bit about the book, Tammy, it looks like if you had inside connections... You came off looking good as a car dealer in this. And if you didn't have those kinds of in-house uh, in, uh, connections at the company or at a political level, you had your business taken away from you. You, you did, but I think more um, importantly is that the, the ignorance on behalf of this so-called task force and the, and the manufacturers, because there is no 2 plus 2 that you can even add to 4 to understand any logic or reasoning or path that they took, or any you know formal process. It was just as swag as you can get. See, I understand why the car companies would want to reduce the number of dealers they have, because GM, Ford, and Chrysler grew up, as it were, in an era where there was no international competition. And the more stores they had out there, the more cars that, and trucks that they could sell. As you had international competition come in, though, they ended up having in my opinion, in major metro markets, way too many dealers. I know here in the Detroit area, I think Ford Motor Company alone had something like 32 dealerships. And so Ford dealers end up com competing against each other, not necessarily against Chrysler or Dodge or, or, uh, or Chevrolet or even Toyota, Honda, and Nissan. But what I don't get what happened in this process is how you could just have the government take these dealerships away, or as you point out in your book, they were then gifted to other dealers. They were given to other dealers. So 
they didn't really necessarily reduce the number. They transferred some of these, these ownerships simply to other dealers. How could something like that happen? Well, that's what I'd like to know in this country. How could it, you know, an involuntary transfer of wealth, you know, from, you know, the Joneses to the Hatfields or the McCoys without any compensation for the families that spent literally generations and decades? I mean, we have dealers as many as 90 years. They were in business ethically, legally, morally, profitably um, taking care of their communities, taking care of their customers, taking care of their employees, all of a sudden to receive a, an overnight package to say that in you know 16 days you're done, you're out of business, but you keep all your debt. You have your mortgages, you have all of the inventories that we you know stuck you with, you have your payrolls, um, your taxes, everything. You are still fully responsible for all the debt. We're just taking the franchise. This is America. We're all about free enterprise. We're all about capitalism. You don't do that in this country. In other words, what you're saying is they took the franchise away, but left you, they stiffed you with all the bills you still had to pay. Absolutely. Not only did they stiff us with all the bills that we had to pay, they went before Congress, who was also outraged. Anytime an administration bypasses Congress to make law, that is in complete violation of the Constitution of the United States of America. But wouldn't have all this happened anyway had they gone, General Motors and Chrysler gone through a, a, nor, a quote unquote normal bankruptcy? Might not a bankruptcy judge have agreed, yeah, you have too many dealerships, we're just going to cancel their, their franchises? No, because the way it was presented to the bankruptcy judge was that we were a liability to the manufacturers, a financial liability. We cost the manufacturers too much money. It was proven over and over again. We don't cost, in fact, in the words of a 30-year veteran at General Motors, quote, we do not cost them one damn cent. You know, Senator Rockefeller requested that this report um, of the special investigator for TARP funds be produced. Wait, explain that a little bit. What, what is that document? This is, a, it's called the SIGTARP report. It's a report from the Office of the Special Inspector General for the um, TARP Troubled Asset Relief Program. All the money that was given. All the money, the $787 billion. And it's a 45-page um, report that's been released now vindicating everything we're saying that they lied, they, they, they administered the car czars, the administration, they lied. And that's how they were able to shut these dealerships down. Now, I want to know that this is, since this is out there now, what is Congress going to do about it? What is our administration going to do about it? Well, first off, let me just stop you there. Where can our audience go and read that report? Um, you can read this report. Um, I have it posted on my website at TammyDarvish.com, but you can also go right into the um, United States government um, SIGTARP website and, and pull it off. And SIGTARP is S-I-G-T-A-R-P for anybody who wants to yes. look that up. And, and, and in short, they concluded, and I quote, at a time when the country was experiencing the worst economic downturn in generations and government was asking its taxpayers to support this $787 billion stimulus package, it was designed primarily to preserve jobs. Treasury made a series of decisions that contributed to the accelerated shuttering of thousands of small businesses and thereby adding tens of thousands of workers to the already lengthy unemployment rolls, all based on theory, zero fact, from gentlemen who have never sold anything in their lives. Right. No, I, I understand that. I, I, and like I said before, I understand the need uh, to 
reduce the number of dealerships in large metropolitan areas. What I don't understand is why no compensation was offered. Is, is that something that you all are after right now? I, I'm, I'm not after compensation. I, I'm more interested in accountability. If Tammy Darvish appeared before Congress in a hearing, as all of those gentlemen in my book did, and I raised my right hand, and I swore to tell the truth, and the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and they found out clearly that I lied, there certainly would have been accountability. We're bringing baseball guys back for lying about taking steroids. Why aren't we bringing the executives back for destroying jobs of tens of thousands of Americans? How on earth can our administration, all we talk about is jobs in this country. We need jobs, jobs, jobs. And then we just do something as irresponsible and ignorant as this. Accountability is what I'm after. Phil, I got to imagine that you would love to see your family compensated for all the work and the years that it put into its Chrysler dealerships. And you were telling me before the show, big operation, very well run, right at the end of an expressway ramp, lots of traffic going there. Certainly, you got to be looking for the government to compensate what it confiscated from you. More important than that, that's not why I'm here today. What this sets is a precedent in America. As the father of four kids, it sets a real irritating or disturbing image of if this can happen to us as car dealers, it can happen to anybody. If the Constitution is going to get trampled over and our Fifth Amendment rights being thrown to the wayside, if this can happen to car dealers, it can happen to pharmacists, it can happen to farmers. And America needs to understand that once this gateway is open, everybody else is going to be flooded out behind us. And that's more important than the compensation. What I really am irritated about is the fact that they made my mom and dad out to be subprime or poor producers when all they ever did was work hard in their business and want to have a better life for their kids. You know, there, this was not a dealership that was losing money. This was not a dealership that was getting all unusual numbers of complaints or anything like that. After 65 years, you've got to know one thing about entrepreneurs. They wake up in the morning and they're focused every day, and you're sitting with two others. Their focus every day is to work as hard as they possibly can because we only get paid if we do a good job and our customers let us know whether, whether we're going to get a paycheck or not. An entrepreneur isn't looking for a handout, nor are we. But the, the precedented, unprecedented action that's happened here, and in the book Outrage, it's spelled out loud and clear, um, we're not looking for compensation. But, but like Tammy says, there's got to be some uh, accountability for how this happened because it doesn't it does open the gateway and when that gateway is open you can't close it very dangerous precedent to have this happen Absolutely. unchallenged i agree completely jeff you're one who actually got the dealer back they told you nope we're taking it away and then somehow you got it back so what are you doing here john um, i want to help these families that uh, have had their uh, uh, names tarnished i want to see their names restored you know, a dealer in his community is looked up to as a leader of the community. And um, these dealers were leaders one day. They've got uh, two losers, GM and Chrysler. Call them poor performers the next day. They're out of business. And these were successful businesses. There was um, uh, no reason to, to do what they've done to these dealers. Do you understand why your dealership was chosen to be terminated and why it was chosen to perhaps get back on the list again? John, we were uh, in a unique uh, situation. We had only uh, had the franchise for 10 months um, and were 
in the process of building a new facility. But, okay, this franchise, 10 months, but your family's been in the car dealership business for how long? Yes, we've had a Ford franchise for over 50 years, Chevrolet franchise for about So you knew what you were years. doing? Absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, you had 10 months into this franchise. We had 10 months into the franchise. We received a termination letter, um, and we were preparing. Uh, we uh, lobbied Congress with uh, Tammy and the other DR, uh, the dealers from CRDR. Uh, we were preparing for arbitration and got a call from Chrysler that they were going to offer us a letter of intent to go back in business. They um, claimed to have offered 50 letters of intent terminated dealers. We were one of those dealers. Was that just because dealers were starting to kick up a ruckus and they were throwing you a bone? Is that what was going on there? That was uh, probably a good example, yeah. The letter of intent that we were offered um, was almost impossible for any other dealer to meet. There's uh, several dealers that have won their arbitration hearings uh, they've offered them the uh, same uh, customary and usual letter of intent. It's a letter of intent nobody's ever seen before. Um, the In other words, what you're saying is the hurdles were set so high of these 50, they didn't expect much of anybody to really be able to qualify. Exactly, John. I only know of a handful of dealers that have gone in business. Out of the 50 that they say they offered letters of intent to, and the 30-something dealers that won arbitration, I only know of maybe six or eight that have actually got back in business. Hmm. Tammy, this, this document that you have, the SIGTARP, the investigation into the whole TARP process, mm -hmm. okay, it's come out. I, I never heard about it until you showed up here on the show. What's going on? Well, it's, it's, it's uh, probably the biggest cover-up this country has ever seen since Watergate. And I truly believe that. And I think that the fact that this report has been out for over a year now and they still categorize it as an ongoing investigation simply for the purpose of prohibiting uh, and the release of any documents that were acquired during the investigation under the Freedom of Information Act. So explain a little bit of the findings and what are some of those documents that you would love to see see the light of day? Well, I would like to see the documents where they demanded the manufacturers to come in and talk about um, show me how these dealers were poor performers. Show, and even if we were poor performers, which we weren't, who cares? That's for the market to dictate. You know, if we're all in business together, the market decides who they're going to do business with. And that's good philosophy, and I agree with it. But I think some of what you were getting at yeah. is some dealers who were left in the system right. had big bills that they hadn't paid on, had big debts, and others who had run their stores very nicely and conservatively right. were thrown out. Oh, you had dealerships that were in, involved in their own personal bankruptcies when this happened. That, um, they, that, that stayed in the system. Or they were put back into the business. Even though know? they're in bankruptcy. Even though they were in bankruptcy. What, uh, what's your explanation of that? Well, I think that, um, you know, there was a lot of debt owed to, in some cases to the manufacturers that they figured if we put them back in business, maybe we well, have... Wait, wait, so, so GM and Chrysler have their own finance arms. Yes, and they they're do. financing these bankrupt dealers. Yes, in many so cases. So because they're owing money to the car company, the car company decides to keep them on even though they're bankrupt. Well, I can't speak for the manufacturer. I can only speak from what I know. And there are dealers that are cr certainly across the country in situations just like that. And it's a shame. 
So this report's been out for a year now, you say, okay. even though I've not heard of it before. Yeah. You'd think that this would be something that someone in Washington would grab the flag and run to the top of the hill on. This has got to be a major campaign issue. I think any American who has a question of how to vote in the next election should pick up this report. And if you don't want to read the 45 pages of indication, read the summary or the introduction. That alone screams. We jeopardized tens of thousands of jobs for no reason. We violated basic rights under the Constitution of the United States of America by taking, stealing businesses away from privately funded, privately capitalized Americans who were just getting up and doing what Americans do every day, working hard and playing by the rules. Phil, it must infuriate you to see a report like that come out and, and know that your business is taken away. Oh, absolutely. If I could hold that up a second, if there's some easy reading anybody needs any time, they ought to read this. I mean, they expect us to read a 2,000-page health care bill that none of us can understand the jargon in it. This is written so that anybody can understand it, along with the booked outrage. But this was all funded by taxpayer money. That is what TARP stands for. And TARP was never intended to, to filter over into the car business. But it was used, and this report is the most important read that any American could ever get in their hands. Before you go vote, go to TammyDarvish.com, click on the link, and you can read it. And you paid for this, America. It's very important that you read this. Um, if you're going to vote and you do care about America, the SIGTARP report is something that every American should have in front of them. And the news media needs to be talking about this kind of information because if our economy and there's people out there hurting and you're seeing how the money's being wasted, don't you think America deserves to know how the money was spent? I sure do. Well, here's my, what I'm puzzling over. You, as I said before, you'd think some politician would pick up this issue and run with it. I, I could see this hitting national headlines in time. Why is no one picking this up? Or, or is somebody and I haven't heard? I spoke to a congressman just last week um, regarding this whole situation. I educated him. He had no idea. He had absolutely no idea. And that to me is alarming. That's why I wrote the book. Because it may take them another six months, it may take them a year, but I'm going to continue to jump up and down until America knows. And if you go find me one American that is not completely like, oh my God, I cannot believe this happened in our country. When they're done reading that book, I'll eat that book. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, we don't need you to eat that, especially not the hardcover right, version right. that I've got here. But uh, Listen, I'm just really passionate about it, and it's, it's wrong and it's being hidden and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper um, the closer we start to get to elections and everything. Congress has an opportunity right now to make this right. Not eye for an eye, but we have to make a precedent. We have to hold accountability. How do you know next week they're not some special czar gonna show up and tell you that there's too many news programs and you're out of here? I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, well, they'll never touch the media, I guarantee you that, but I, I know the point that you're making. Jeff, how do you explain this, that, I mean, here is a volatile issue. This is potentially an explosive issue, potentially, I believe, something that could become an issue in the presidential campaign. Why are we not hearing anyone pick this up? John, I'm not sure. And what um, Tammy hadn't told you yet, this SIGTARP report was ordered by Senator Rockefeller in October, November of 2009. Yes. And uh, we got the arbitration bill signed into law in December of 2009. 
The arbitration hearings had to be completed by July 15th of 2010. That was a drop-dead date. Exactly. The SIGTARP report was released July 19th. So after the arbitration. Two days after the arbitration. Exactly. Exactly. This SIGTARP report would have been very, very helpful to the uh, arbitrating dealers mm -hmm. in front of the arbitrators. And it was held by the Treasury Department, I assume, until after the arbitration hearings were completed. Okay, Senator Rockefeller calls for this report. The report comes out. It comes out a few days after the drop-dead date, so it really doesn't become part of the whole discussion, right? Right. right. What's he done about it? What has Senator Rockefeller done since this came out? I don't know if he's done anything, John. Why did he call for the report? Well, I can tell you that we met with his office uh, many, many times, um, particularly because of the committees that he um, heads on, on the Senate side and everything. And I think um, he probably wanted to take a you know, time out and say, whoa, wait a minute, let's get all the facts here. Before we do you know, take any kind of action, let's get all the facts. And, you know, John, this is the facts. The facts is, is we stole privately capitalized, successful, law-abiding businesses from thousands of Americans across the country for absolutely no reason at all. Those are the facts. Those are the facts. I agree. Here's the other question, potentially as explosive. Your own dealer group is not doing anything for you on this, right? The National Auto Dealers Association, are they backing you? Have they, have they lifted a finger let, to help let, you at let all? Let me answer yeah. that question. Please. This is a touchy situation, and as a collective group, these are two of the leaders that looked at this wrong that was done to people like my parents, and they have gotten every dealer that was affected together to discuss the issues, and rather than playing politics or, or worrying about stepping on somebody else's tolls, they've taken the lead out of their own time, energy, and money to do this, and so it's, it's, it's more of how a group of people got together saw a cause that's disturbing and how we rallied around together for the betterment of everybody involved. And that's really what's been campaigned here is through all of Tammy's effort and, and gentlemen like Jeff Duvall's, we now have a voice because the voice was not going to be given to us unless we started to collectively get together and raise our voices. But I would have thought that the NADA would really rally to a cause like this. I mean, after all, they represent dealers. Well, John, um to understand NADA, you need to look at their leadership at the time of the terminations. Um, the chairman of the, um, of the uh, Industry Stabilization Task Force was the NADA director from Utah who received the Painter family's dealership. So I, I know you're not naming names, but I'll say Stephen Wade, who's been on the show, yes. head of the NADA. He was gifted your parents' dealership? John, he was. Well, maybe that explains why we haven't seen the NADA standing behind its own members in this. John, he met with GM and Chrysler before and during the bankruptcies. When the terminations were announced, the Painter family's franchise was terminated. Within 30 days, Stephen Wade had a letter of intent for their franchise. We're, we're getting down to the end here, but Tammy, uh, what's next? What happens now? You're on the show. We're helping you get the word out. Thank you. I'm going to tell everybody to read the book, but Thank what's you. next? Well, I think what's next is we continue to, little by little, infuse the knowledge into the influencers or maybe movers and shakers, whatever it takes. 
But I can tell you that, you know, tenacity is just not a trait that any of us lack. And sooner or later, we're going we're gonna to find that one person that's the right person to make sure that America doesn't sleep until they know what happened here. Phil, what's the next step for you? Next step for us is uh, along the same lines with Tammy. When people, I've given many of these books out, and people get to about page 20 and I get an email that just says, I had no idea. The media has swept this under the carpet. The question is, is if this happened to you, John, what would you do? I'd be doing what you guys are doing. I, I, I'd raise up in arms. Does well, it, maybe not in arms. I, these arms. Is you know, it, I don't mean guns. Does it concern you about the next generation if this is left to, to happen to my generation? Does it disturb you that my, what ha might happen to your grandkids? The little bit that I understand about the law is precedent is everything. And this is a very dangerous precedent. Yeah. It's extremely a dangerous precedent. Absolutely. Jeff, next step for you? I want to just continue to try to help these uh, dealers get their good names restored. Yeah. Yes. Well, Had it not been for these dealers, uh, I would never got the chance to uh, get my franchise reinstated. Well, I, I really admire you two. You as well, Phil. But, I mean, you. you guys have pretty much been taken care of, as it were. I mean, but you're sticking up for people like Phil here who, who really did lose all that. Well, you know, we're an industry of peers like most any other industry. And, you know, whether, you know, Phil is hurt today could be us tomorrow. And we have to stick together. I mean, we're, we're all in this together. And that's what families do. And, and that's what we do. Are you getting good support from other dealers? Yes, we have a tremendous um, support group across the country from other dealers, not just rejected dealers. I mean, from a lot of other dealers. It's just unfortunate that we've not been able to, through uh, many associations that we have affiliations with, been able to use you know, their resources to be able to make sure that this, this is uh, first and foremost is part of a priority of ours moving forward in the future. Real good. Well, I want to thank the three of you for coming in. I thought I knew a lot about this industry. I didn't know half of the behind the scenes of what went on in the story. Yeah. I encourage you to go out and look for this book, Outrage. Look for the SIGTARP report as well. But Phil Painter, Jeff Duvall, Tammy Darvish, I want to thank, thank you. you all for having come on uh, AutoLine this week. It's thank been you. a real eye-opener for me. Thank you. Thank Our you, pleasure. John. It's been an honor. Thank you.